Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the podcast and oh boy do I have an episode for you guys. Today I had the opportunity to interview Mr. Sam Robertson. Not only is he super cool purely because of his accent, he is from Scotland, but also he has been a full-time prophet since he was 17 years old. He is 24 now and moves so, 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 so powerfully in the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to break down a ton of the myths as well as the potential obstacles of why people have such a wrong notion about prophecy. What the heck is prophecy? How is it different than being a psychic or a mystic or is it the same thing or is it different? And why do we all need the prophetic voice of God in our life? And in the end, he even speaks a special prayer and word of prophecy for all of you guys who are listening and I can't wait to see who this feels like that specific word was for them. So with that, let's meet Sam. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I am so honored to have Sam Robertson with us here today from Scotland. He is a prophet. He does some amazing things in ministry and just in his normal life. And I can't wait for him to give you a little bit more of his own introduction. But we are so honored to have you. Thank you so much, Sam, for being on the podcast. Hey, thank you so much, Megan, and hello to all the listeners as well. This is a very broad Scottish accent, so I will speak slowly and try and pronounce every letter, um, just so what I say sounds clear. Um, I'm just uh, speaking today from a very wet, cold Glasgow in Scotland. It's normal weather for us. This is meant to be summer, but probably a little bit more like your winter, I think, to be honest. <laughs> um, and yeah, as Megan said, uh, I'm a prophet. I work for an organization called the Global Prophetic Alliance. Our, uh, we're the home of Glasgow Prophetic Center. Some of you might know that name. Run uh, by um, a husband and wife team, David and Emma Stark. Um, and I get to just enjoy teaching other people how to hear the voice of God, training other people, how to encounter Jesus, and really just encouraging as many people as possible. And that's my full-time job, which, which is oh, pretty wow. crazy. So uh, I get to do that full-time, and it's just my absolute joy to be with you. Yeah, so awesome. Well, for those of you guys who will listen to this um, or watch this later, I know you're going to have a million questions. So I've really tried to steward the things that I thought that people would love to hear the most as if they've never even heard this before. Um, also, I, I have a funny thing I want to say before we kind of dive deep. So I think that it is so funny that you and your guys's ministry call what you do every day, the power hour. Cause I know yeah. those are like two of the hardest words to say for us to like interpret from a Scottish <laughs> accent. I know. So that is so funny to me. <laughs> so for Scottish people, it's power hour. It sounds like it's got lots of syllables. But then my boss, Emma, who runs it all, she's Irish. So she she says par r. That's how it <laughs> sounds like for Emma. So that's even harder to interpret, but power yeah. hour. <laughs> so funny. Love it. Well, for all of you guys who want to tune in, um, we will make sure that we put all their information in the show notes so you guys can follow them. They have so much free information if you want to grow spiritually. Um, I mean, Pastor Emma specifically does so much with even how to see angels and teaching young people. It's just so cool. So we won't get probably all there today, but it's all out there on the internet, you know, YouTube University. And so that's what's beautiful about that. But my first question for you, Sam, so I would love for you to kind of break down your story. How did you get into this world in the first place? What kind of background do you come from? Yeah, I mean, I think surprisingly, 
I came from a very conservative, strict Christian background. So I had no grid, nor did my family, for the Holy Spirit that God could speak, that there was such a thing as miracles or healing. I was brought up in a denomination in here in, in the British Isles called the Brethren Denomination, which um, is, I mean, gloriously strict um, in terms of teaching in the Word. So I, am, I have a rich heritage of understanding Scripture and memorizing Scripture, which I'm thankful to God for. But it had no grid for the Holy Spirit. And actually the church that I went to was very anti the Holy Spirit, was very anti God speaking, you know, healing. When there were stories of healing that kind of would go around the church from other churches, they would be shut down. And, and really that, that, that sort of environment would even say so far that the enemy, that Satan did those things. But as a young child, and uh, I would see faces or have weird encounters, or know things before they would happen. And I, I, as I was saying there, I went to this church that said, these things that are happening, they're actually, they're not just not real, they're probably from the enemy, they're probably from the evil one. And really, in my early years, um, I remember distinctly wrestling with, um, with, with probably quite mature thoughts, even though I was so young, of, well, this is happening to me. I'm, I feel like I'm hearing God speak. I feel like I'm encountering the Holy Spirit in some sort of way, though I didn't know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. But I'm also being told this is wrong. During that kind of journey, as I became a teenager, so 12, 13 years old, my parents uh, made the courageous decision to leave the church that we'd been brought up in. And the type of church that we were raised in, every family member all the way back in generations was part of it. So it was a courageous decision, you know, brothers, sisters, siblings, cousins, aunties, uncles, all part of the same sort of church. And they made the decision to leave along with a small group of individuals and they started a home church that I went to. And the aim of the home church in those early days was simple. They just wanted to explore this thing called the Holy Spirit. They wanted to see what the Holy Spirit was all about. And that catapulted me into a journey of knowing that what was happening to me, of dreams, knowing what was happening ahead of time, encounters, knowings, just like a deep gut feeling that that wasn't, that they were good things, they weren't bad things. But the crazy thing, I think the turning point in my life, Megan, was there was one day where this church, you know, we've been going for almost two years and we had, the church had invited a guest speaker. And this guest speaker walked into the room. I didn't know who they were. They called themselves a prophet. And they brought prophets with them. Prophets are the people who hear the voice of God and teach other people how to hear the voice of God. And they started to prophesy over people in the church. And they called out one person. And they said over this person, one of them, I can just see that there has been this hedge of limitation around you. Now, bearing in mind this church, I knew all these people my whole life, and I had seen a hedge around this one person since I was a young child. And this prophet was saying, this is what I see. And literally around the room, and all of a sudden I realized, number one, what was going on with me wasn't bad, but number two, there were others 
that were like me. There were others who had a similar experience. And lo and behold, the lady that was speaking was Emma Stark. It was in the first year of launching Glasgow Prophetic Centre. That was my first encounter with her and her ministry. And that really launched my journey into attending all their events. I was 14, 15, going to events, hearing stuff that I probably didn't understand, but I just wanted to be around people that I was like, you know that feeling. And I know your listeners will know when you find people that just, they feel like home, they feel safe. And I just wanted to be with them. Uh, and then left school, did some leadership training and then joined Glasgow Prophetic Centre when I was 17 years old. I'm 24 now. Um, so I've been working for them for over seven years, um, which is really the only job I've ever had, hearing the voice of God and working for the Prophetic Centre. Uh, and now I'm standing here sharing a bit of my story with you there. Wow, that is so amazing. Congratulations, first of all, on being just obedient. And I think that it'd be really great for people to know a couple things. So one, how, how early is too early to start hearing the voice of God? And how long would you say that it takes or that it maybe even took you to really feel comfortable? Like, okay, I know God's voice. This is God. It's not me. Um, one thing actually that I, I think sometimes when we've been raised in Christian environments, we forget that some things are like, not known by other people. Right. So the other day I was telling one of my clients and I was like, Hey, all your thoughts actually don't belong to you. Like some are from the enemy, some are from God and some are from you. And they were like mind blown by that. And to me, I'm like, Whoa, like I need to peel back that layer and remind myself that not everybody knows that. Right. So could you speak to a little bit of, um, how early is too early and how long did it take you to really feel confident that you're like, okay, I know Papa God's voice. Yeah, totally. Great questions. First one is a quick answer, but I'll speak a little bit into it. It's never too early to hear the voice of God. God, what's the first thing we learn about God in Genesis? We learn two things as the first thing. The first thing is that the Holy Spirit moves. The Holy Spirit's all about moving. The Holy Spirit is moving all over the world. And then God speaks. And we get introduced to God as a God who moves and a God who speaks. And there are introductory characteristics of God. And so it is never too early to hear the voice of God because hearing his voice is intrinsic to being a Jesus follower, is intrinsic to being created in his image. And you know, I remember, you know, even with my younger siblings, you know, I'm thinking of stories particularly of my younger sister, Jenna, she's older now, she's 17, but even as she was much younger and I was getting versed in hearing the voice of God, teaching her, you know, look for Jesus in the room, Jenna. And as a five, six, seven year old, Jesus is over there and Jesus is saying this and Jesus is doing that and Jesus has this with, with him because God is so keen to speak to us that actually often when we're struggling hearing God's voice or we say, I've never heard God speak, it's not that he's not speaking. It's probably just that we've overcomplicated it or we've thought it's too early or I'm not qualified enough or maybe I'm past it or I'm not saved long enough or, you know, I've never, I've never gone to a church before. And we disqualify ourselves from hearing the voice of God when God says, it's actually easier than you think. 
and you've got it start to, and I'm speaking particularly to your followers right now that are apprehensive of hearing the voice of God. I'm going to give you the biggest, most revolutionary top tip to hearing the voice of God. And it is so simple. Come on. It's not spiritual. Let me tell you, you need to breathe in and breathe out. And you need to breathe in peace and you need to breathe out every reason that you think disqualifies you from hearing his voice. Don't overcomplicate it. And the psalm says, you know, the psalm say, the thoughts he has for us outnumber the grains of sand that are in the world. And they can estimate that there's probably around 30,000 trillion trillion grains of sand in the world and God's thoughts for every person outnumbers them so you've got so much to say and we've just got to be like okay God sometimes I overcomplicate it tell him it be honest sometimes I overcomplicate it sometimes I disqualify myself but I receive the reality that I'm made for hearing your voice Mm-hmm. And what I would say about hearing the voice of God is this. Do not see it as a destination. Hearing the voice of God is a journey that you will always be on. And it's a continual journey of learning. And it doesn't matter where you are at on the road, as long as you're on the road, as long as you're on the journey. And so hearing the voice of God for me, who's been doing it for seven years, might look a little bit different for hearing the voice of God, for some of you who maybe you've doing it, you've been practicing for a year, or maybe you've never heard it before, let me tell you, it doesn't mean that your version of hearing the voice of God is mm. any less special than mine. It is just important. And so it took me, I think, a couple of years, you know, and it still does. Sometimes I still have to tell myself, you can hear the voice of God, Sam, you know, stop doubting. He speaks, he's in you. It took a couple of years. But it's really learning in the secret place, not just hearing the voice of God for others, but questions of, and here's some homework, not that I'll test you on this later on, but, you know, questions of every day getting up and saying, God, what emotion is in your heart when you look at me today? Wow. Is he feeling love? Is there excitement? Is there joy? Is there, you know, for some of you who maybe are going through a difficult time, is there sadness and grief as Jesus mourns and grieves with you because he feels your pain? Is he feeling compassion because there's a brokenness in you that he sees and he's saying, I want you to feel my compassion because I'm going to heal you. It's questions like, God, what do you celebrate about me today? Or if there was one thing, that I needed to know that will help me get through this next week, what would it be? Mm. And let's simplify it because I think we think that hearing the voice of God is like me speaking to you right now. And so we kind of, you know, God speaking, then we look around as if God's going to kind of drop out of the sky and speak to us. I think we've all been, you know, we we, we can all say that we uh, have done that before, but Mm. God is within. His voice comes from within. And so you need to breathe, relax. Okay, God, let's simplify it. What emotion is in your heart when you look at me today? What are you celebrating about me 
today. And as you build a daily rhythm of hearing the voice of God, you will build confidence and that confidence will be reinforced every single day. And you will get to that point where you are sure that it's the voice of God that you're hearing. Yeah. So beautiful. I was actually just having a conversation with somebody last week um, about exactly that. So thank you for saying that because I do think that we overcomplicate it so much. And whether you were raised in a you know, secular environment or a Christian background, it's interesting because we have to undo different elements of the world that keep us um, blockaded from the voice of God, which is supposed to be the simplest and most um, innate thing in the entire world, you know? Um, a question that I think a lot of people have are, is twofold again. So you've been handling these two part questions. Great. <laughs> um, that's the interview coach in me. But what do you think are the reasons why prophecy gets a bad rep or maybe like the, the misconceptions about prophecy? Mm. And then also uh, what something that you said earlier really struck me because I think sometimes people are afraid to be intimate with the father or to get in the secret place or get quiet because maybe they've struggled with um, anxiety, depression, fear, you know, their own thoughts are like the most terrifying things about life for them. Um, and so how can people maybe feel more comfortable understanding that God is a good father mm -hmm. and the purpose of prophecy um, being, you know, exhortation, comfort, those types of things. So two parts, what's the biggest misconception or why does prophecy get a bad rap and what actually is it and what is it supposed to be used for? Yeah, great questions, Megan. I think the first one, um, I think it's sad that prophecy has a bad rep. And I think, unfortunately, a very small group of people or a, a word that was spoken with a wrong intention in a moment can often kind of paint a picture that is not representative of actually the majority of prophecy that goes on in the world. I think unfortunately what we've seen often with the prophetic is that it is very darkness focused or bad focused or judgment focused um, and that it is about proclaiming crisis or pointing out what is wrong or pointing out sin or exposing something that is negative. And while within the framework of the, the office of the prophet, which is that some people have, there are moments where the prophet needs to say, I think you've got a blind spot over here, have a look. All prophecy, even when the prophet says that, has the heart of demonstrating the goodness of God, who wants to bring victory and life and encouragement and strength and comfort to those who are hearing the word of the Lord. And the New Testament for the gift of prophecy puts three words in place that categorize and that measure whether prophecy is right or not. Encourage, strengthen, comfort. Other translations will say build up, exhort, edify, console, but encourage, strengthen, comfort and those three characteristics need to be the fruit of every word that you say and i think often people get a bit nervous around prophecy because they think their sin is going to be exposed i bet we have all been in that situation before where we've met well those of you who have met a prophet or a prophetic person are they going to expose my sin and people ask me all the time can you see my sin and my response is if i really tried I probably could, but I don't care 
about your sin because you already know it and we already know our sin. You don't need someone else to point it out. Actually, what you often need is a word from God that says you have purity in you. You are called to be righteous. You are called to be holy. And inside, you know actually I'm struggling in areas of impurity. You know, I, I have an addiction to, to pornography or an addiction to watching too much entertainment or I just have low self-esteem. But that word from God should come in and lift you up to the point where you think, yes, I may struggle in e these areas, but God, this is what you've said. And actually I feel excited about making that a reality in my life. And so I want to speak to your viewers, Megan, and say this as the first thing. I am sorry if prophecy in your life has caused harm rather than built you up. I am sorry if that has been what you have seen. And I apologize on behalf of the prophetic and prophets for where that has come to your life. But I want to say this to you. God has so much good things to say about you and his heart is for you. And yes, you may be in some things that are a little bit dark. And yes, a prophet may come in and some of them may be able to see it, but it doesn't bother me. What bothers me is the fact that there is so much gold in you. And my job, our, our job, all of our jobs for hearing the voice of God is to make sure that you're more aware of the gold than you are of the rubble. Because when you're more aware of the gold, then you start to extinguish the rubble from your life. And see, to be quite frank anyway, we've all got issues. And Jesus says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And actually, we all have issues and there are moments where we all slip up. And so it's not about you've got sin and I don't, so I'm going to point yours out. The fact is, and this is what it means to be a Jesus follower, we all admit, God, we are sinners and we need you. And so prophecy just comes in and it should reinforce that Jesus is loving, he is kind, that he has a future for you. And you know what? I, I, and I know for me, personally sometimes a prophetic word comes in about your future and it doesn't even touch areas of sin or areas of difficulty or areas of darkness or areas of brokenness in your life but you hear God say you're going to do this and this is what I've got up my sleeve for you and this is ahead and the word gets so hold of you that you then without the prophet or the person mentioning your brokenness get your brokenness sorted because you're so inspired by what God says and so prophecy as I said, as a, as a base layer, should bilge up, comfort you, and strengthen you. Prophecy should make you go, oh my goodness, God, I did not realize that you put that inside of me when you created me. I need you because I'm not going to be able to do it without you, but I am so thankful, God, that you've got a plan and a purpose for me, and I am going to do whatever it takes to be obedient to your call. Yeah. Amen. That's so beautiful. Something that I heard Sean Bowles say um, a couple of years ago when I saw him in person is I think he kind of coined the term, you'll never have authority over what you don't love. Mm -hmm. And talking about how prophecy has to be from a love-based approach. Like I could just cry thinking about it, being raised in church and just seeing, you know, different things that happen, but um, remembering, and I encourage my listeners who are, who are viewing or listening today, remember that God is love. And so if it doesn't, 
if it's devoid of love, it, it's not even prophecy, right? It's a false prophet or it's a mystic or a psychic or these different counterfeits that try and come. Um, and I think that that's a really, really important foundation as well, because what I've even seen sometimes is when, like you were talking about earlier, if somebody has like a low self-esteem or there's a different issue that maybe we need to pray over or do some deliverance ministry in, sometimes you'll even have a prophetic word that goes forth. And because we have such a low self-worth, it'll actually make us feel bad about ourselves because there's some demonic stuff attached to it. Um, and so we need to be really mindful about that too, of that prophecy is from love. And also if a prophet is operating in love, then I love what you said earlier. Like there, there's no reason why they should care about that sin because then they can't be operating in love at the same time. Totally. And love, you know, the true love of God. So not the worldly love that we see. The true love of God motivates you to righteousness. It yeah. motivates you to sort your stuff out. It motivates you to be holy. And when you're so loved by God, then you start to no longer tolerate your mess. And you start to say, God, you have so loved me in my brokenness. I'm going to stand up from my mess and get my stuff sorted out. And that's the true measure of the love of God. And the love of God doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't kind of give you permission to stay as you are in that sort of way of staying your sin, I'll love you anyway. But what it does is it comes to where you are, where you think you're unreachable. The love of God comes to where you are, where you think you're disqualified. It meets you where you are. And then it says, right, come on, let's get going. You have a call and we need to sort the stuff that's going on around you. Yeah, so awesome. I completely agree. Along those lines, um, why would you say that it is important for us as Christians to operate in the spirit and not just be, you know, saved, I'm good, yeah. I'm going to church, um, and what is maybe the difference of what, here, here's what I'm trying to say, uh, prophecy doesn't like religiosity and legalism very much, mm -hmm. right? So I think we have a lot of that, and in, in my personal opinion, I think God is stirring a lot during this time of coronavirus and kind of a divine reset is coming in yeah. terms of hopefully a lot of that crap kind of sloughing out because we've had to realize right what's essential well i'm like well yeah. what's essential is the holy spirit so could you speak a little bit to why we need the gifts of the spirit and not just maybe salvation yeah i mean the holy spirit is life and power the holy spirit is the way we get revelation the holy spirit is the way we overcome our sin the holy spirit is the way that we are able to stand against the enemy to resist the devil so that he flees the holy spirit is the way that we live a life of holiness and purity the holy spirit is the way that we can lay hands on the sick and see them recover and the new testament sets particularly and acts the life of the believer, the prototype life of the believer, to be one that is filled with the Spirit of God. And you would be hard pressed to find a letter in the New Testament that isn't around the presence of the Spirit in a believer's life, that doesn't refer to it. Why? Jesus comes to the earth and he is here 
because he wants redemption and he wants you and he wants me. And he comes to the earth because he has us in his mind and he is coming to reset the whole order of things. He is coming to launch his kingdom, which is power, which is the Holy Spirit on earth. And before he even starts to do that, he gets baptized in the Jordan and he gets the Holy Spirit descending in him. But whilst Jesus lives on the earth, he demonstrates to us how he wants us to live with purity, with kindness, with love, but with the spirit, with miracles following us, with the ability to hear his voice. And then he dies. He goes down into Hades, into hell. He takes back the keys of life and he takes back the keys that the enemy has stolen and he comes back. He spends some time with his disciples and then he ascends into heaven. And Ephesians says this, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men. What does that mean? Jesus went up into heaven and then Jesus sent the spirit down to us. That actually, and he promised, you've got to wait until the spirit comes to clothe you with power. You've got to wait because the one who's coming after me will enable you to do greater works. And the spirit comes down as the essential service, as you said, of the church, of the believer. And the spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit in you is essential to every fiber, every moment, every day of your life. And we've got to get used to prayers of, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill me again today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and invade any place that's a little bit empty. Holy Spirit, lead my steps today. Holy Spirit, how are you moving in my life today? Because the New Testament is written with the language of a Holy Spirit who's active. And remember what I said at, at the beginning for God speaking, the two things we learn about God, he speaks and that his Holy Spirit moves. Mm -hmm. And we get introduced to those two aspects of him at the beginning of the book. And we've got to pay attention. If that's the first two things that you want us to know, they're obviously important. Yeah, yeah. So good. Oh my gosh, there's a thousand questions I want to ask. Okay, I'm trying to go in order of my like thoughts. Um, I want to make sure I come back and if you can tell us any cool stories in the end. Yeah. Um, we'd love to hear some because I think that there's just such power in like the proof of the word. So I want to make sure we end there. Um, but a couple things before that. So um, I would love for you to speak to, you said it, you alluded to it a little bit earlier, the difference between maybe the office and the prophet and then answering the question, can everyone hear from God? Can everyone prophesy? I'd love to start there. Totally. So prophecy in the New Testament for us as Jesus followers, it is for everybody. And the New Testament says, for all may prophesy. For all can prophesy. That's in the book of 1 Corinthians. For all can do it. And prophecy, the gift of, is an ability that is given to everyone. It is given to every one of you listening right now, no matter how experienced you are, or this may be the first time you've ever heard the word prophecy. You can do it too. All can prophesy. And prophecy is what we were saying earlier on. It strengthens, it encourages, it comforts, it builds 
up. It speaks the thoughts of God. It speaks God's heart into the life of another. It speaks into situations. It speaks into families. And it releases the heart of God. The prophet is listed in the uh, book of Ephesians with apostle, shepherd, teacher, evangelist. It's part of these five gifts of Jesus that are given to help lead the church. And the prophet is a call that is given to some people. It says some to be apostles, some to be prophets. That doesn't mean that only some can prophesy because we've just read that all can prophesy. The prophet's job, yes, is prophecy. Prophets must prophesy. It's hearing the word of the Lord. Prophets tend to prophesy more over nations or big people groups. But Ephesians says that those five gifts are given, those five people groups in essence, are given to equip the saints, to replicate what they have. And so my job is not to do all the hearing from God. My job is to train you all how to hear from God so that you can then teach other people how to hear from God. And then you can teach other people how to hear from God. That's my job as a prophet. And that's the difference. So really, the gift of prophecy is a gift. You have it. The office of the prophet, the prophet, you are the gift. You are it. So you don't have prophet. You are a prophet. Therefore, you know, prophets' lives are always telling a story. So you should look at my life and be able to see how God is moving in some sort of way. Learn a lesson about what God is saying. Not because I'm intentionally trying to tell you something, but my life as a prophet, because my life is prophetic, should tell a story as with other prophets but all may prophesy whether you're a prophet or not whether you are saved a minute you're not saved but you want to know jesus and you're listening to this call or you have been saved for 20 years but been taught that you can't prophesy you can that's what the word of god says as that foundation of prophecy yes amen so good i think people i'm like there's a good clip that i can put on my instagram and teach people um it's so encouraging and you know when and for people who are listening hopefully you can sense the life that is even in this podcast you know what i mean seriously like if maybe you've thought that you hate church you know don't love god or jesus doesn't love you or maybe you you know something bad happened to you i have several even clients who unfortunately were, you know, either sexually harassed by their youth pastor or something horrible that's happened. And we just want to apologize. And that just to set the record straight that that was not God, that was not Jesus. That was a man um, or a woman operating in sin. And hopefully this can set the record straight where the peace that you might feel right now or the lifeblood of God that's flowing through even these words. Um, we just hope that that brings peace and declare and decree that that will bring peace and open your spirit back up um, to the life that is supposed to be Jesus and the word. And so Sam, next, I'd love for you to maybe speak to, for some of those people who are listening, do you have a story, um, or a moment where, where maybe you encountered maybe a a heart of stone, somebody who thought that they hated church, hated God, and through prophecy, their heart was able to be open because you were, God was speaking a directive into their life. Totally. There's so many going through my head, but I know the one that I want to share with you. It's just beating in my heart. I would love to say, this is the caveat in the story, that I am 100% in a good mood all of the time. I would love to say that I feel like I've worshipped all the time and that I sleep well. There are some moments where I've not had enough to eat, I've not had enough to sleep, and I'm a little bit grumpy. 
this happened one of those moments and the reason that i tell you this story i think it's so good but also just to tell you i think sometimes we believe a lie that if i've not come out of a five-hour worship service or i've not just attended a conference or i've not fasted for four weeks or i've not just read my bible all morning that i'm not any use to god I think we believe that lie. You're always a use to God if you're open and obedient. You're always, always ready. So I was getting my hair cut uh, by a new barber. And um, this was the first time that I, had, that I had met him. And I was super quiet. I was grumpy. And in my head, this is the honest thought process. I'm going, please don't ask me what I do. Please don't ask me what I do. Honestly, not because I'm embarrassed, but I just didn't want the conversation. Because what do I do? I'm a prophet. I hear from God. I'm like, who wants that conversation when they're getting their hair cut and they're tired? So I'm thinking in my head, please don't. So all is going well. And now at this point, I had my own business designing websites. So I kind of deflected the question when he did ask what I did. I said, oh, I do a bit of websites on the side, you know, and some other stuff. And that was it. Anyway, what happened? But at the end, did he take a picture of my haircut, ask what my Instagram was. And before I knew I had given him my Instagram, you know, underscore Sam Robertson. So he tags it. And on my Instagram, what does it say? Prophet, teacher, theology student, church leader. And he goes, oh, you lead a church? And I'm going, Jesus, help me, please. I didn't want this conversation just now. I just <laughs> wanted to get my hair cut and I wanted to go home, get some food and sleep. Well, anyway, he asked. And I started to explain a little bit about what I did and then left. And so I kind of thought, you know, this is kind of that, that he probably won't want me back or next time I go, he's going to be super quiet. Well, anyway, I'm sitting in the chair for my next haircut, maybe a month or two later, I can't remember how long, and he's doing it. And he's asking me kind of chit chat. So what, what kind of church do you lead, et cetera, et cetera. And just as I'm speaking, I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, tell him that if he opens a job, if he opens a new barber shop in a certain part of the city, an east, uh, the east part of the city, it was in a part that's got quite a lot of poverty in it. There's not a lot of successful businesses. To tell him that his barber shop will be a success and it will not be a failure. And I'm going, okay, Holy Spirit. And I've got quite a lot of faith. But at that point, again, I'm kind of thinking, mm, shall I, won't I, shall I, won't I? Anyway, I say to him, okay, this sounds a bit weird, but I believe that God speaks and he's just said something to me and he goes, I have just come off a phone call from my business manager who's trying to be, who's trying to convince me not to open a barber shop in the east of the city because he has said that every barber shop that opens their shuts and out of my mouth came this word i didn't hear it it just kind of bubbled up out of me and i said to him god says to you if you open a shop there and you dedicate it to me i will bless it and in fact it will be a shop where you train barbers who have young men who have no qualifications and have had troubled upbringings who you will train them in skill and you will train award-winning barbers and your shop will be an award-winning shop because you felt like the barber who trained you rescued you from a life of trouble and so you will rescue other young men from a life of trouble and he looks at me stunned because I mean he's never had a conversation about God in his life so how else do you respond to something like 
that. So he kind of goes back and we chat a little bit on Instagram and I come back for another month. This is a long story. It's still going on actually. And he says to me, I'm signing the contract today, straight after your appointment. Do you have anything that you want to say? And I'll be, and I just said to him, God is just saying what he said before, but in the name of Jesus, I just bless the contract that you're going to sign, that it's going to be favorable. And I'd kind of built up a little bit of a friendship with him, but not too much of one. And then I say to him, out of my mouth, congratulations on the pregnancy. And he goes, what? And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> right? This came out of my mouth without me realizing it was one of those weird moments where God kind of just spoke. And he had just found out that morning, this girlfriend, they're not saved, but his girlfriend, uh, well, fiance actually was pregnant. And he hadn't told anybody, not even his closest family. And I started to talk to him about the call of God on this child's life. I said, I, I believe it's going to be a boy. He gave birth. It was a boy. Two weeks later, when he posts, his words of the post, when he, because I had him on Facebook, was this. God has blessed me with a child and I am so excited to announce that myself and my fiance are pregnant and we are expecting. Thank you God for this blessing. He writes that, not me. He got saved after, so I still go there. He blocks out uh, three, often three slots uh, of the bar. <laughs> 45 minutes because he just wants to talk to me and hear what God is saying. Wow. He walked out. I've spoken words over his whole barbershop team. The crazy thing is uh, almost six months ago, um, he texted me one day after I'd been, he'd been cutting my hair and he said, did you know the people that were sat in the barbershop waiting to get a haircut? And I said, well, no, I didn't recognize anybody. I was just talking to you. Um, and he's a good friend now. So we have a lot of back and forth and, and, and chat and, and laughter. Um, and he said, the two, two of the top football players for the top team in Scotland were sitting in the room when you were sharing with me. And they have asked, next time you're in to be booked in at the same time, because they want to ask you some questions. And so I'm not a football fan. It's not, a, it's not my preferred sport. So I don't know much about it. So I didn't recognize them. So I find myself and have found myself sat with him saved with these football players who want to know about Jesus, speaking words of life, speaking words of destiny, helping lead them into salvation. And that whole barbershop has got saved. And now I get my hair cut in his new East End shop that has just won an award, that is filled with young men that were ex-drug addicts, you know, failed at school or never turned up, but they're saved and they want to know Jesus because God spoke, he cornered me that first time when he posted on Instagram and I was thinking I didn't want to tell him what I was, God cornered me when I was tired and the rest is history and that's an ongoing story for those of you listening you can pray for him and just bless him as he continues on the journey wow oh my gosh that like that made me cry oh and i that's the holy spirit for everybody watching and listening like how you just felt listening to that story i mean how can you not be moved by that you know how how can your heart not open up again and that's the thing like for anybody who's maybe been hurt by church or hurt by legalism or religion um, 
gosh, it's not supposed to be that way. Like the word brings life and the Holy Spirit it lives on the inside of us to be a comforter and to be a, a directive for lost people, you know, and sometimes Christians are lost people too, but you just think about the practicality. Like, I don't know, I'm a very black and white, like practical person. And so I love teaching because it, you know, brings truth and, and separates confusion in that gray area. And I just feel like, you know, I, I've never quite understood, although it's the enemy author of confusion. So you do understand it, but like, it shouldn't be that hard. You know, God is, God's the one who created us. So why would he create a system, a Bible, a mechanism of him speaking to us that sets us up to fail? Like, I'm like, God, why would he waste his time doing that? You know, but we've convoluted it through pious teaching and people who want to be the person who can quote every scripture and sometimes, you know, have a right heart, but just don't know the Holy Spirit and I just really want to get that across to everybody who's listening that it's supposed to be simple. It's not supposed to be hard. God has created a low, the lowest of the low barrier to entry. If you'll just come to him and say, Lord, I'm open. Like I'm open. I don't know what in the world I'm doing, but I'm totally open. And what we'll find is more and more stories like that. I mean, like we, Carter, my boyfriend and I, even just last night, we went on a date and we gave the waiter a, a super large tip. Carter was led by the Holy Spirit. And, um, and you should have seen this guy. He came back and he literally came back and he goes, so, um, I just want to come back and, um, ask you if you accidentally wrote the wrong number on the tip. And we're like on FaceTime with our best friend who had FaceTimed us at dinner randomly with her little two-year-old cute daughter. And, uh, and we look at him and we're like, oh no, that's right. And you should have just seen his face. I mean, like tattoos everywhere, just like at first was like hardened and you can just tell uh, Carter and I sat down and I was like, you know, he's got a really sweet spirit, but it just, we look at each other and we're like lost, you know what I mean? Just searching. And we had that moment. And so then Carter felt led to do this and you should have seen it broke off. All this stuff instantly broke off. And he looks at us, he goes, my name's Dusty. And he, you know, shook his hand. What's your name? What's your, what's your name? What's your name? He goes, I, I really like for you guys to come back again. You know, do you guys come here often? Da, da, da. And instantly just the love of God through a simple gift of giving, like, and it was just like a $30 tip. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a huge deal. We just doubled the bill, but I'm like, why would you not want to live a life like that? Like that's being a Christian. That's getting yeah. to walk in the overflow of blessing other people. Like, and I just get so fired up. Imagine if more people would stop being just Christians and name only and would start walking Christ's life like Jesus, you know, I'm like, dude, that all this stuff going on in the world right now, we just need the love of God. And you guys listening can operate in the, the Holy spirit, even if it's just, Hey, I like your shoes. If God tells you to compliment someone's shoes, like it's easy. And once we get out of our own head and we start to just, you know, throw up the love of God and other people, like that's how we change the world. And even the most broken and hard hearted people want to know who they are and why they're here. And so anyways, it's just, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd love to close. Um, I have so many more questions I would love to ask, um, but people can follow you on social media. We'll make sure that um, we get people connected with you. They can listen to a bunch of your other videos, watch your other videos, but are there any other, maybe one more story that sticks out that has really transformed your life or that um, you think people love to hear a lot that maybe could help some of our listeners that you feel led to hear or led, led to share? Totally. I think I'll let me take another story that just represents that you don't have to be all together to do it, that it's simple. Um, I had just started working for Glasgow Prophetic Centre. Um, I was 17, probably just turning 18 years old. And we had just uh, run a five day school of ministry. So it's great fun. You know, we teach people how to hear the voice of God, how to heal the sick, etc., etc. But it's intense. 
It's intense. So it was the last day, it was late at night, and I was getting on the train home. And I was in one of those moods, I'm sure all of you are too good to be in one of these moods, where I was like, nobody talk to me please you know you just i just i was like i you know i am a i am an an extrovert but i'm also an introvert as well and that night the introvert jumped out and i was like nobody talk to me please so i get on the train and it was quiet and i sit at this table and you know there's four seats two on either side nobody's there and I think, I'm just going to sit here, put headphones in, listen to some, some gentle music and just chill. It's a 45-minute train ride home and then going to go home and sleep. Train goes off. First stop, but what happens? Three men who are clearly drunk and have drank way too much get on the train. The train is quiet, but where do they sit? They sit right next to me around the table. And the crazy thing is, I'm sat next to the window, so I'm cornered in. I can't escape, you know? And, and I kind of asked them when they sat down, oh, where are you getting off at? They were getting off at my stop. So I thought, <laughs> and there's no escaping anytime soon. I'm like, great. So I thought, well, I'll just avoid it anyway. And I'm listening to my music, and I hear the Holy Spirit start to speak to me. And when I say I hear the Holy Spirit start to speak to me, it's not like a booming voice or a big vision. You know, it sometimes is for others and, and sometimes for myself. But there it's like a, inside my belly, you know, inside my gut. I think you're maybe saying this, God. I can, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gut feeling, an impulse in that sort of way. And God says, you're going to have to speak to them. And I'm going, but they're drunk. They're not going to remember it, God. And God says, that's my problem. Your problem is speaking to them. And so I'm going, right, okay, well, if I get it wrong, at least they probably won't remember it. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Anyway, that's my honest opinion at this point. So I kind of share with them. And to be honest, they look a bit kind of confused at me. And I went around the, the group and there were just a couple of short words, you know, that was encouraging them. Anyway, I thought I'd finished, but then I look at the guy in front of me and I just hear God say, tell him I'm a good and perfect father. And that I'm not going to crush him in the way his own earthly father crushed him. And I'm thinking, I mean, that's a powerful word, but I'm thinking, oh, his, his dad was probably an emotionally oppressive character or something like that. You know, a crushing personality and just crushed them and made them feel small. I share this with him. And in a moment, he almost kind of comes to his right mind, you know, almost sobers up in a moment. And he goes, what did you just say there? And I say it again. And he starts to explain to me through his slightly slurred but getting more clear words that when he was younger, he was brought up on a farm. He one day left a gate open and an animal, I think it was maybe a sheep, but I can't remember clearly, escaped. His father, in a fit of rage, came into his bedroom while he slept and dropped a toolbox on this young man's legs when he was around seven or eight and crushed his legs. And God knew the right language to say in that moment and said to this man who was drunk and maybe looked, you know, he, did, he didn't look all together. He looked rough. He looked unready. He looked raw. He looked hard, like the man that you were talking about that you tipped with your, uh, with your boyfriend, Megan. That, that in a moment, God knew what to say and said, I'm not going to crush you in the way that your own earthly father 
crushed you. One sentence. And that man reached over, he grabbed my hand, and you could smell the alcohol in his breath. I can still smell it thinking about the story, but it makes me smile because of what happened there. And he went, thank you, son. Thank you. And son, you know, people would call that in Scotland. That's just kind of what older men would call any young man, you know, that when there's affection in their heart. Thank you, son. Thank you. And actually, when we got off the train, I watched as he limped away and I could tell that the, the, the impact from that one event was still in his legs. And I saw him about a year and a half after that. Sooty and booted. I didn't get a chance to speak to him. It was one of those I saw him passing in the street. He looked almost completely different, but I recognized his face and I recognized how he looked and he wasn't limping. He looked fresh, clean, completely different. And God said to me, as soon as I saw him, see Sam, that's why your problem was just needing to speak and I would do the rest. And I don't know if he, you know, remembered my words, but I do know that in a moment I was obedient and that God did the rest. I just had to say what God wanted me to say. And God was like, thanks, Sam. Now I'm going to take the rest and I'm going to do what only I can do. Holy cow. And you were 17 years old. Yeah, it must have been 17, 18. I was, I was very new to this. Very new. Uh, I, you know, I've done it seven years now. So it was within my first year of doing it. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, that is so encouraging. I think so often we're, you know, we're our own barrier because we think, mm. oh my gosh, I'm going to sound stupid. Or what if they beat me up because they're drunk, you know, or I'm sure a million things were going through your mind, but just a simple act of obedience, man, that is so awesome. And I look forward to more stories to come. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of in closing, I'd love for you to share how people can get connected with you or Glasgow Prophetic Center. Um, hear more about if they want to grow in their prophetic gifts. Is there anything that they can um, look at online or if they want to come to, you know, Scotland when all this craziness is over? Um, so how we can connect with you further if they want to grow their gifts or just you. And then second part, if you have anything else you feel led to say to our audience. Totally, totally. Um, I have obviously an Instagram page, underscore Sam Robertson. My Facebook page is just Sam Robertson. Search up, message me. If you have any questions or testimonies or stories, I'd love to hear and read messages. Send me a message. I will read it and try and get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, Glasgow Prophetic Center, we uh, have a Facebook page and we have um, an Instagram page as well. We broadcast every day, well, Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, plus Monday evenings and Friday evenings as well with free content, our YouTube channel filled with training, filled with lots of free content as well. We're hopefully as well going to be running some online courses on prophecy in the weeks and months to come. But if you go to our website and you want to uh, sign up to hear about that, we've got an email list, it's free. And as part of that email list, we send out something called Lion Bites, which is a free daily prophetic word that is sent straight to your inbox. So we have a team of 80 volunteers and they are typing personal prophetic words that go out to, I think there's, there's almost 100,000 people who get them every day. So if you wanna hear what God is saying personally, to his people every day, sign up for them, Glasgow Prophetic Center uh, on our website. And then you'll also hear some information about our um, 
about about our uh, conferences, training events, whether that's in Scotland or online. But I just want to pray if that's okay for your uh, listeners. I just felt like the Spirit of the Lord say uh, to many of you that are watching right now, this is the day where insecurity must go. And the Lord says, I'm meeting you like I met Gideon in the wine press. And for those of you that don't know, Gideon was this small, insecure, fearful man. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord said, you're a mighty warrior. You're called to win battles. You're called to be a leader. And Gideon's going, but I'm this small man. I've got nothing to give. And he battled with insecurity but he left his insecurity behind in the wine press and went forward to be a man of leadership and of victory and of great courage and boldness. So in the name of Jesus, I bless all of you watching that this is the day where your insecurities are dropping. And just think about right now in your head, what are the things you believe about yourself that make you feel insecure, that make you feel like you're not qualified? In Jesus' name, I speak to those particular lies, they're lies of the enemy, they're not fact, they're not truth, and say, you will no longer influence or limit these mighty warriors, these people made in the image of God, even if you don't feel like it anymore. I bless you to have courage, to have courage, not just to act. Let me tell you what I think the most courageous thing is to do. The most courageous thing is to believe in all that God has created you to be. So I bless you with courage to believe in yourself because of who God has made you to be in Jesus name. Amen. Right on, Sam. That is so right on. We can talk about it later, but that is so right on. Uh, well, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is one that you're going to want to, uh, I almost said rewind. That's like dating myself. <laughs> Press play and listen over and over. And uh, with that, we'll see you all next week. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of season two of the Powerhouse Podcast. I'm Coach Megan. You, as always, you can follow me at Megan underscore Swanson. You can DM us to join our email list. You can follow us at Powerhouse Pageantry or at the Powerhouse Project. And I'm so excited to get to continue to pour into your life spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, and relationally. Wow, that's a mouthful. In this beautiful year of 2020, never forget your worth, stand up for what you believe in, and allow your spirit to stand up on the inside of you to show you